0: All right, everybody. Hey, it's Damian. I am here with my very good friend and co-author of *Reinvented Life*, Dr. Chris Ashby, uh, who is somewhere in the southeast United States or Caribbean. Not really sure. The guy is living a an amazing life, and uh, he's it's based on an amazing mind, and that's what we're going to talk about today: his brain and uh, and his background and and his ideas around thinking and and that whole process that I think most people have kind of given up on or don't really have any idea how to engage with it. So before I go off on Chris and everything, I, I want to spend a minute or two just going into his background. So uh, Chris, in, in, a, in a nutshell, what, what is your, your academic background? Because I think this is kind of a big deal, but I don't want to overwhelm the, the audience with it. I just want to give people a perspective on how much thinking you've done and how much effort and emphasis you put on that over the years. Well, thank you, Damien. Thank you for taking
1: time to interview me. My academic background, it has no bearing whatsoever. I'll save it as a caveat before I begin explaining all these degrees I have. Pretty much, it has no bearing at all on the success that I've had in life. Um, it So it goes as follows. I begin my career academically in music. So I have a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD in music from USC. Then I decided, I really enjoyed economics and I got a PhD in economics from USC. Then I decided that I really need to become a businessman and I should become a lawyer. So I got a JD MBA from the University of Warwick in the United Kingdom. And then I decided that I really needed to do some more postdoctoral research. So I was a Fulbright scholar in economics postdoctoral research. And that's, in a nutshell... um, 12 years of pretty intense education and agony. So, I have um, two doctorates, a law degree, MBA, uh, chartered accountant, and um, that's what I put myself through to try to figure out that I did not need to put myself through it.
0: So that was that was awesome, and that was a, that was a super fast snapshot on on going about as far as I've ever heard anybody go in the academic world. And the last thing you said you wouldn't do that or that you didn't need to do that. So you're not suggesting that somebody that's thinking about either they're 18 and they're thinking about school or they're thinking about what they're going to do to reinvent themselves. You're suggesting that they probably shouldn't go get seven different degrees, including the PhDs and the masters and the JD. I mean, that's, is is it the opposite of that? Like no education or what's what you're thinking now in terms of what somebody should do if they're, they're trying to. If you want to
1: go into, well, if you want to go into a science related field like medicine or going to law, you have to have a degree. There's no substitute for good medical school, good pre-med, good residency, etc. In law, there's no substitute for going to a good law school or any law school. they finding what wants you to do. So it depends what you want to do. The if you want to be an if you want to be an entrepreneur, having those degrees can be helpful in opening doors. But ultimately, you have to have the personal conviction and the experience to monetize those things. Um, I'm not saying that having those degrees is a deterrent or not having them will make you more successful. It was just my path in life that I took. Um, The reason I spent so much time in school, I was having this conversation today with someone, is I graduated from college, my first degree when I was just turned 19. And I didn't know what to do. I was lost. And the university said, listen, you're a smart guy. We'll pay you to... um, a salary, and we'll pay all tuition for you to go to USC. And all I got to do is teach one class a week, and we'll give you money for rent, and a stipend, and pay your tuition. And at the time, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and so it was a pretty good deal. So I was paid to go to school by Roly really Greg University, and that probably pushed me through the first doctorate, um, definitely because I didn't have to pay. And at the time, you know, being you know, um, late teens, early 20s, in a graduate program, um, living in a very expensive city like Los Angeles, the the gift of having someone pay my tuition and um, pay me to sort of go to school was um was a real gift. It also allowed me to bar- take out a student loan and buy a house in Laguna Beach. So which um, was the first real estate investment I made. Most people were taking out student loans and going to Cancun and partying. I bought a beach house. <clears throat> so I guess I wasn't entrepreneur in spite of myself at that early age
0: so that okay so that when you went that was that, that was a number of years ago I mean there was a, a, it, it, things have definitely shifted most people are probably not getting paid to go to school at 19 they' instead they're going to school and they're walking away with six figures in debt and so it's given that that's more likely than not the scenario, and how much experience you've had over the the last two or three decades traveling and seeing the world and knowing how the world is operating. What would your recommendation be to somebody that either they're they're starting out at 18, 19, 20, or maybe their current business or their their work has vaporized and they they truly have to start fresh. I mean, what given the world playground or platform and and your experiences of it, what would if you were having to do that right now, what would you What would you start with? What would you start doing?
1: I'd find someone who's done what I want to do and has to a certain extent the things I want to have, and I would go work for them for free. I would hang the tidy bowl in the toilet. I would carry coffee for them um, to learn what they have because success leaves clues. And so I would go work with someone who had what I wanted to have. I mean, if I wanted to be an upper extremity surgeon, if I went and hung out with the top – you know, upper extremity surgeon at Cleveland Clinic, I would never become a great upper extremity surgeon without a background in medicine. But if I wanted to start a business or be in a business, I'd find someone who is actually in that business and successful and go and just give my time away. I'd be very poor, very broke, but learn just suck everything I can out of that experience because truly that's there's no substitute for for domain specific specificity, excuse me, when it comes to learning. Whereas in academia, I mean I had some great professors and I have I had great experiences. But my first job I had, I'll give you an example out of um, my um, my master's in business was I was hired by Ernst and Young to work in Eastern Europe. The reason I was hired there was because, they did no one gave a damn about my education I spoke a for. I spoke Slovak which is a foreign language uh, spoken in Slovak Republic and I was willing to go there and when I went out there my first assignment was they said okay you're gonna um, be on a due diligence team um, in acquiring a non-ferrous metals producer and uh, I said no problem let's go and I realized that I didn't know what due diligence was I didn't know what non-ferrous metals were <clears throat> but I found a guy who was an expert who was on the team, and I became um, his shadow for about six months. And so, I learned. I could have spent years in school. I could have um, picked those terms up, which I did in my academic background. But to actually use them in a practical sense, I was really blessed to study with someone, to work with someone who was a real expert in this area. So, if you were just starting, if I was starting right now, in summary, I'd find someone who. Had what I wanted to have, maybe the level of wealth. And um, the thing is, the wealthier people are, unless they're retired, the busier they are, and the less they want to screw around with someone who wants to hang the tidy bowl in the toilet and carry coffee. So you've got to be able to offer something to somebody. <clears throat> so I would probably go in and offer something that might be unique that they don't have. I don't know what that would be in my situation. I went into, Ernst and Young said, you want a job? And I needed a job because I was broke. And they said, would you go to Eastern Europe? <clears throat> I said, you got it. They said, would you work for $3,000 a month? And I said, I'll work for free. And they said, would you, do you speak the language? I said, yes. They said, would you willing to coach other people on the firm who want to learn the language? Absolutely. And so I was willing to work for nothing, which I did for three months. But then when the fourth month came, I had them double my salary because I proved I could, it was a good work. So make a little sacrifice up front, and um, decide what you want to do. And every profession, I don't care what it is, has a financial metric. Okay, you'll find someone that started a burger shop; it's going to make five million dollars. But you'll find someone else who's making, you know, a hundred grand a year, and they're doing really well. Make sure that the profession that you go into, and we went over this a lot in reinvented life, but something I'm really focused on. If you want to go and open up, you know, a yoga studio and teach Ashtanga yoga, but you also want to have a G450 and a 173-foot Purini Navi, that's a yacht, um, you're probably smoking the wrong weed. You're probably delusional. But so really understand also the metrics of what you're going into. I mean, what does he want to do? And does the lifestyle of that business suit you? I mean, these are all questions for someone who maybe failed in something and, and restarting their lives again. It's not worth really the question for someone who's, you know, 17 years of age, just graduated from high school, and wants to, you know, wants to go into business because there really is no experience
0: there. Have you had, over your career and your life, how many people have come up to you and said, "I want to work for you for free. I want to learn what you know, and I will do whatever you need, seven days a week, ten hours a day." I mean, how many people have done that over the the last two three decades? Never, not a single one, not a single one.
1: They see me, they look look at my lifestyle, which isn't, you know, a crazy lifestyle, but it's a nice lifestyle, and they kind of want it. They think that because there's this real weird thing that happens that people think you have a lot of money, sort of trying to figure you out from the good side. I think they try to figure out, find out where you're stupid as if you're going to be gullible and stupid because there's a lot of urban legend about, you know, the rich guy who bought 80 bottles of Cristal when he was at the Hotel Delano in Miami. There's a lot of urban legend and vilification of people who are successful. So I never anyone offered to work for me for free because I think most people look at me and they go, okay, he has money and I'm going to get some of that. I'm still waiting for it to happen. Um, it just hasn't happened yet.
0: Well, it's it's, it's not surprising, I guess, that that, that hasn't happened. I, I do remember years ago when I was – Doing my real estate investing, and I had a, a gal f- meet me at a cash flow game, the, the game that Robert Kiyosaki developed, and she wanted to be mentored. And this is before I I started doing that professionally, and, and I remember saying, "Sure, yeah, come on over, and you can see what I do every day." And I was flattered to have someone interested and willing to invest their time. And she lasted two days. She she's and she went and decided to drive a truck. And I thought. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, she literally could watch and learn everything without having to put up any money. She didn't have to go to a seminar. I mean, and she didn't, it was such an easy thing and and she lasted two days and it's never, it's never happened. Uh, It didn't happen after that. People will come in. And I think the funnier experience is when people do hire me to help them as a mentor and then they decide that they know better without any experience. And then they go off and and they, they follow their bliss or their heart in terms of business and investing. I mean, do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah. I think – I
1: mean, to quote Grant Cardone, and, you know, I just read his book a couple weeks ago. We discussed earlier. He said something that really was very powerful and rang very true with me. He said, there's a whole school of thought of people that say, follow your bliss, follow your heart, do what makes you happy. And my experience is 80% of what I do doesn't make me real happy. It doesn't make me miserable. It doesn't make me real happy. Then that 20%, when I'm not, when I sort of feel in the benefit of that 80%, I get pretty happy. But it's just like I was saying to you earlier on. So I love Ashtanga yoga. I'm a yogi. I love practicing yoga. I'm not the best at it, but I. I love it, and now I can do the entire first series. It's a big achievement for me. About halfway through the first series, whatever teacher I'm studying with, I'm hating. I'm, in, I've got some hate going on. Not, not consistent hate, but there's some. You know, I'm sweaty, and I can't. A posture doesn't work for me, or there's someone next to me who, you know, has a plyocentric you know, skeletal structure, and they can sort of do things I can never do, and it's so all this stuff going on in my mind, not consistently. But then the last. You know, when the whole thing is done and I'm just laying on the floor and I'm meditating, it is so wonderful. It is so fantastic. Had I followed my bliss, I would have, you know, done, you know, a few of the saunas. I would have um, left the class and got a, you know, a double latte and, you know, start reading one of my books again. That would have been following my bliss. Instead, I hung with it and the bliss came afterwards. So I think... Following your bliss, there are people maybe can do it. I think it's really great. I admire them, but most people I know who follow their bliss fall into bankruptcy.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I see the same thing, and and I followed that route myself at times where I've gotten so excited about something, and what I found was most of the time I was pursuing a hobby that I should have acknowledged was a hobby and really appreciated it as a hobby instead of saying. I'm just going to. I'm going to focus all my efforts on this thing, and ignoring the the financial realities and and things, which which I see a lot. People want to just pretend like there's no financial reality, like gravity doesn't exist, and and spreadsheets and financial statements and all the rules around the business world don't really exist for them because of bliss. Bliss isn't bad, but I mean you can't just ignore the financial realities of things when you're talking about money, investing, finance, and and what things cost, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know where all this stuff comes from. I mean, every single discipline, whether it's civil engineering, surgery, music, finance, has a specific language, and we have to learn that language, and no matter how blissful you feel about it, you got to learn the language. And and what I found is that, the higher you want to go in what you're doing, the more specific, the more specific you have to be with knowledge about that language. I mean, business. The language of business is accounting. That's it. I can tell you how many people I know who say, well, "I don't like accounting. I don't like accounting. I don't want to do it. Someone else does it." If I hear someone say, "Well, I let my cousin do my accounting," I can just say, "Okay, you're going to be bankrupt in a year. You're going to be done." <laughs> It's it's not fun. I mean, accounting isn't fun. I mean, I actually like accounting. I I, because I I like I like the whole. I mean, when I discovered t accounting, it like blew my mind. It was so fantastically logical. But it's the language. It's like like Saying I want to learn French, but I just don't want to conjugate verbs. I want to speak in the present tense the whole time. It's just much cooler. Okay, if you're one year old and an idiot, maybe that that's that's okay. But You have to learn the language. So if but I think don't know what the language is. I mean, for those of you who are listening to this, you want to learn about business, learn accounting. Doesn't mean go become a chartered accountant or a CPA. Just learn about accounting. Learn what a debit is, learn what a credit is, you know, learn to learn to do bookkeeping. Just learn the basics. Because you got one step up on most people who want to give it to their cousin, their aunt, their sister, their boyfriend, whatever it is. Everything we do has a language. And it's not. once you learn it, it's pretty cool. You separate yourself a little bit from the crowd. And then when you go in to make a presentation to get your you know, $100 million or your $40, what are you going to try to raise from capital, people will know when you're credible. We hear these urban legends about, you know, he went in and he just pitched this idea and someone gave him $80 million. Most of that stuff is just nonsense. It doesn't work that way. My experience is, which is a pretty extensive experience with private equity, is that, it's just, in, in the real world in real finance, not the person who just made half a million dollars selling their, you know, their aunt's house, and now want to become a tour But people are really in the finance world, there's people know right away if you're full of you're full of crap. I mean, for example, in the world of music, I can look at someone's hands because I was a classical guitarist before I was in finance. I could look at someone's hands, maybe not anymore, and I could tell how well they played by the shape of their nails and by the form of their hands how because I live that way I looked at my hands all the time I took care of my hands I manicured my nails in a certain way to get a certain tone on the guitar blah 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 and someone comes in and pitching me for money which happens a lot I get pitched for money a lot and I say I mean I'll give you an example I had a lady call me from South Africa she says now's the time to buy South Africa now's the time to buy real estate <clears throat> she says she said, rents are high and properties cheap I said well what's first thing she said when rents are high and properties cheap this absolute huge alarm went off in my mind. Like, well, if rents are high and property is cheap, uh, something's going on here. I said, well, that sounds really good. <clears throat> um, she goes, I need a half a million dollars. I said, okay. She said, I said, what do I get for half a million dollars? She goes, well, you get interest of 4%. I go, who owns the property? She says, I do. Okay, let's go down this rabbit hole. <clears throat> I said, South Africa had some pretty, um, to my knowledge, has some pretty, um, onerous um, laws on um, capital conversion and getting U.S. dollars out of that country, getting dollars out of the country. Number one is also withholding tax um, to trust. <clears throat> so just a little bit I know, just some reading sort of things about South Africa. So you're telling me that I get 4% interest, I've got a currency risk, and I've got a tax risk. Yeah, but you go, but you are make your money in the long term. I said, here's what you should do. You should go back to work at Starbucks because that's where you're working now. That's where you should be you're not ready to talk to someone in the language of finance I mean, I'm not picking on this person, I'm not picking on Starbucks, I'm just saying that that's an example of someone thinking that their personality, their good looks whatever will trump the need to have I don't want to use that word in vain, but will mitigate their need to have a, a real knowledge about what they're talking about, because if you're bullshitting people, they'll recognize it. If they're If they know what they're doing and they're smart, they'll recognize it. So be careful who you try to bullshit because if you really want to be serious with what you do, you got to learn the language. And then so what happens you start to bring other people around you who speak the language, and it, it's a very, very cool thing.
0: I, I totally agree, and I, I think that's primarily why most people tend to invest or, or get money in their, their ventures. They spend time around their friends, their family, the, each other, the founders, and then a bunch of fools – But they don't go to prose because they're comfortable with all the people that are not really speaking the language. They're speaking about bliss instead of uh, being rational and professional and knowing what they're talking about. So uh, I know we could go into that and and dig deeper. I do want to see if there's I I know you have to uh, leave. and You've got another appointment. So I appreciate you uh, chatting and, and sharing this stuff. Is there anything that you wanted to I'd end with or, or contribute before we wrap up. Maybe we can we can continue on a, a second part to this because there's way more that you've got that I would love to have you dig into. But is there anything that you want to throw in there before we wrap up? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for this opportunity. I, as you know, I live on a very
1: small island in the middle of a bunch of little islands in the Southern Caribbean. I'm a very private person, but I'm very passionate about about talking about these things. Um, The country I live in is extremely poor. And in the last couple months, I started mentoring some young folks who come from extremely poor, extremely poor environments and talking about these same things. And um, one of them just got a scholarship to go to Cuba to study business, of all things to do, a full scholarship. And what I've realized is that these are people that come from no education, no one in the family's education, very, very poor uh, hand to mouth living. But if someone embraces a mindset and someone listens, I mean, I think these are some of my greatest students I've ever had. The one guy opened up a fruit stand. Now he built a, now he built a little house selling fruit. Now he's starting to put a refrigerator in. So I think what I'm saying there is it's really important to be humble. Every venture I start in, I start with, I start humble. I stay humble. And I try to find really, really wonderful people who I can learn from. And what I'm learning more and more every day in my various business ventures is that I don't have to be the expert in all this. I have to have the language abilities, the linguistic abilities, but I don't have to be the smartest person. Because there are people out there that truly are really gifted and really smart. And in many cases, they just want someone to embrace their intelligence and support them financially for it also. So. I guess, in summary, one of the most important things I have learned, which, which is how I would like to leave this, is be really humble and find people who are just really good at what they do. Now, I know we've heard the urban legend of you know, finding a person really good at what they do, and you agree to give them equity in your company or whatever, I mean, whatever it takes to be around those people, especially in a venture that you're having, try to bring them in, whatever capacity you have like I said earlier on really successful people are really busy being successful and unless they have a benevolence strain or a teaching somewhere they're probably not going to get involved in an early stage startup type business unless they take a lion's share of the equity so in summary um, I embrace being humble I embrace bringing people around me who are just wonderful and I'll say give you the domain specific example and then I'm going to sign off and go to my next call I'm building a very large real estate development I, I've really never done one this big before. It's, it's big. It's $40 million. It's a big one. For me, that, that's big. I mean, in, in the universe of like, you know, Miami real estate, that's like, you know, an apartment, but it's a big one for me in a small country in the Caribbean. And I decided up front that I was going to become the best, the absolute most knowledgeable person who's in finance and in construction finance. That was my goal construction finance, finance, and in construction. So I hired really great engineers, civil engineers, structural engineer, I hired great architects, I hired great people doing renderings. I just hired really great people. They weren't that expensive in the end. The the education I have received is just extraordinary. So at this juncture, after being at this now for a couple of years, I actually and people are calling me and saying, Would you come and design the project finance? Would you manage my construction projects? Which I won't do. So as I learned these languages, other people who understand the language are now calling me as a domain expert. That would never happen if I had gone to school, to construction or engineering school. It happened because I hired really great people, I took copious notes, I listened intently, and I had a great passion for learning. So um, I'd say those those are the things that I'm going to leave you with right now that have really become a big part of my learning and my progression toward toward more knowledge and more wealth
0: that, that's awesome I, I that I'm, I'm digesting what you just said I, I do know that every time that you and I have ever spoken with other people there's always a, a yearning for more of you because there's such a depth and uh, vast experience and, and wisdom is there a way for people to either reach out to you or find you if they wanted to engage with you or learn more or I mean do you do you have any is there anything set up or I mean should they contact me or or what what would be best for you if if people are interested in connecting with you.
1: Well unless they have a high speed ferry and can get to my little island where I live, it'd be kind of tricky. So I think the best way to get a hold of me is through you Damien. I'm that's the best way. If someone wants to reach out to me for some advice, I'm always willing and, and love speaking with people or at least communicating with people. I travel a lot. The last the last four months, I've been in airplanes about 20 days out of the month, but I, I would embrace the opportunity to, to hear people's stories and to give them anything I could give them that would help along their path. Uh, God knows my path has been the most non-circuitous path on the planet. Um, when I first started out, I thought I was going to be the greatest classical guitarist in the world, and then, you know, 35 years later, I'm, um, I'm a real estate finance person of some sort. So, I mean, in summary, reach out through Damien, and then um, he'll direct you to me. Um, he, can always, he knows
0: how to reach me. He knows where I hide in the universe, so uh, <laughs> he can always reach me. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll have that set up on, on the, uh, the link here for, for people. They can just click on it and they'll, they'll get to me and, and I'll forward it on to you so that people can connect with you. And uh, I will... Actually, go ahead. It'd be a great honor to do so. Well, I appreciate that. I know people will too. And I appreciate your time and, and your, your energy and your wisdom and your candor. And hopefully we can continue this conversation uh, soon and, and dig into some more stuff because there's a lot more that I know you have to share. And, and if you're open to that, I would love to set that up and, and continue the conversation um, sometime in the near future. Would love to just let me know when and I'm going to thank all of you for listening and God bless and we'll
1: talk soon. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, lot.